Hold on. No. Yes. It's going. Ready. Sorry, the mic's hot. Oh, what do we got, Mr. Craig? I've got the ding ding. There it is. There's the ding ding. That means what time does that mean? It is, Mr. Craig. <sighs> He's already turned it off. It's David Meerman Scott. Ooh. The Grateful Dead Alive Building Your Tribe Through Vanocracy. 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 Buckle up, it's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Hey! hey. How's it going? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing just great, thank you very much. David! We are excited about this one. Good. Yes. Um, so am I. So yeah. am I. Cool, man. I, so when Todd Todd connected us... Um, and then I saw the little blurb about the dead. I was just a little blown away. 75 shows, man. First 75. Night, I've, yeah, my first one was when I was 17, when um, um, I'm Madison Square Garden. Here's my Grateful Dead Wall of Fame, actually. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually, awesome. um, are, you, are you a big fan? I am. Yeah. I, I don't know if about J- Jason no yeah dead yeah. so um so I'm I'm actually Wolf's manager Jerry Garcia's guitar Wolf I'm Wolf's manager oh and that's awesome I um um I arranged for John Mayer to play Wolf in City Field in New York in July delivered it to John backstage and it was um it was kind of epic <laughs> yeah that is. I mean, what was it like meeting John is he pretty cool he is he is really cool and he's really um reverent to the music. Yeah. You know, he's a pop star and he's taking over the Jerry Garcia role, but um he's doing a really great job at um being humble about it and also trying not to copy Jerry to do his own thing, mm-hmm. uh, but do it in a way that fans still can appreciate the music. So I think he's threading the needle really well. Can you imagine stepping into Jerry Garcia's shoes? <laughs> no. That's nuts. Well, I mean, and he can pull off riffs that are, I mean, it's it's pretty it, it's pretty impressive that he can play what he does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's something cool. Um, <sighs> that's Ramrod's original road case that he wow. used for uh, 850 shows between 1985 <laughs> and 1995. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm, um, um, Craig, I'm only hearing the right channel when you're talking. But Jason, I'm hearing both channels when you're talking. I don't know if that matters, but I just thought I'd point it out. Hmm. That's interesting. I can. That is I'm interesting. Yeah, I'm here only hearing your right channel, Craig. Um, I mean, I think it's probably okay to record, but I just thought I'd let yeah. you know. Okay. Well, thank you. Sorry doesn't if it's annoying. It doesn't bother I me. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> in case, in okay. case there's a button you need to push or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm um, already out of my tech element. <laughs> <laughs> so we we touched on music, and usually we ask our, the guests, um, "What was the first concert you ever went to?" So this would be interesting, especially okay. when you preface it with the yeah. dead. Yeah, you what was got the it. First concert. First concert was Aerosmith. Hmm. I was 15 years old. Aerosmith in um, at Madison Square Garden. Um, the second, wow. con- 
The second concert I went to was absolutely epic. It was the Ramones at my high school. Oh. No way. And they played for $100 at my high school. And I was <laughs> uh, in the high school auditorium and I was in the front row. And, you know, they did, wow. rock, and, they did rock and roll high school. And yes. I, and New Canaan High School was the only high school that they ever played. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's epic. Those are that's, both epic. That's kind of epic. I got another one for you. Um, yes. There's a photo over here. Um, the one right next to the door with the white the white matting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that is the only known photograph at bob marley's last concert which i took um no where, way uh, where was, was his last concert uh september 1980 in pittsburgh pennsylvania at the stanley okay. theater and i was um i was a college student 19 years old and my buddies and i road tripped four hours from kenyon college to pittsburgh um, you know, preparing in all the ways that one would prepare for a Bob Marley concert. And I brought, I brought, I brought this big ass camera, the yearbook photographer lent me a camera and it was a really big professional kind of camera. And I walked right in to the theater and nobody stopped me. And I walked right down to the front and I was snapping away. And, um, those photographs are now, um, I shot one roll of photos. I managed to get them in focus, even though I had prepared for the show. And, um, and and those photographs are now famous, and they were used um, for um, about five minutes in the Bob Marley documentary because they had no other way of showing visually his last concert. Wow. Yeah. That is unreal. Yeah. Dude, this kind should of- be a music podcast. Like, <laughs> it's not even so why, – why, why – yeah, no insurance. No, it's well. You know what? It here's what it is. It, we're we're fans. We're music yeah. fans. I mean, I see your posters behind you, right? We're music yep. fans, and by being music fans, we're showing passion for what we like. Mm. And by showing passion for what we like, we're better at the insurance game or whatever game we're in, because yep. because people want to do business with people. They don't want to do business with robots. And sure. It doesn't matter what you're passionate about, and it doesn't even matter matter whether you share the same passion. I mean, you, you know, you may hate the Grateful Dead, or you may even hate live music, but the fact that I'm passionate about it, and you're passion, you are passionate about it, um, it, it. It's more interesting to do business with someone who has passion. Yeah. Truth. I've converted many people who said that they don't like the dead into deadheads. <laughs> you My, have to bring them to a show, right? Yeah. I mean, well, my wife, I used to play a lot, you know, I had all the tapes and many, many, many shows of tape or many tapes of shows and I'd play it and she'd be like, I, I can't, I just can't get into this. You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. you have some <laughs> long jam on, on something that's going 28 minutes and yes. dark start. <laughs> no, just turn this off. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And, and then over the years, and, and I think also what Bobby was very, very smart about was bringing John Marion because oh, yeah. he was always, I like, over the 21 years we've been married, I've slowly worked on her and she's gotten to like appreciate them more and more. But once Mare was introduced, yeah, this <laughs> changed everything. Yeah, like now, now she 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 downloaded Nugs. The Nugs, really, app. that's hardcore. Like, yes, yes, and she she's she'll be playing live shows and it's because John was introduced. It's like where. Now they've bridged these two different uh, genres. Almost. That's hardcore. Once you get yeah. to the point where you're downloading live shows, that's really yes. hardcore. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's it, they do such a good job, and people have so much fun. And when once you're a part of the tribe, I mean, 
you know, you, you got the lingo and, and you can walk up to any deadhead at a show, like never met them before and just start chatting, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. were you at the show last night? You know, what, what's going on? You know, have you seen them this tour, you know, and, and, and instantly you have a bond. Yeah. And she, I think that's really cool. cool. She has a bumper sticker on her car and then we can move off. But it, it says Garcia Weir 90 or whatever. I don't know. It's like a it's a copy of the Trump sticker, but it's Garcia Weir. Nice. And and um, and she was coming out of Whole Foods. She just got some you know groceries or whatever. And there was a guy out there with a tie dye on long hair. And nice. Just loved her. And hey, I love your sticker. And they yeah, just started yeah. talking about the music. Yeah, and I know she never would have talked to this person. No, no, <laughs> and it's fantastic. She, she it calls is them fantastic. Raisin heads, right? <laughs> raisin heads. Yeah, raisin. No, it is, it is fantastic. Yeah, it's it fantastic, good. and and that's how I that's how I met the hub the CEO of HubSpot. We had a sticker on my computer, uh, Steely, Steely on the my computer. Walked into his office, never met before. Opened up my computer in the first minute. We were fast friends just because yes. of really just because of a sticker on my computer. Um, that wow, was 13 so awesome. years ago, and we've been best friends ever since. And it's just amazing what that kind of thing can do. And and you know, we're sitting here talking about music, and it may seem frivolous, but the truth is that it's incredibly powerful when you are so into something, and because that passion is infectious, and it helps your business. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter yep. what it is. You know, you, you could be into running, you know, racing triathlons. You can be into the Boston Red Sox. You can be into um, golfing or you can be into bird watching. It doesn't matter what it is. But when you're passionate about something, people remember that about you. And then they want to do mm. business with you. Yeah. Yep. You said something interesting. The tribe. Yes. Right. Like everybody wants to be a part of something. And when you are a part of something and somebody else is a part of the same thing, and you're a part of that tribe. Yes. I mean, there's no greater connection. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And I'll bring it to insurance, if I may. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a big tribe is people who love classic cars. And mm. um, I, I'm sure you guys know Haggerty Insurance. So they're the yes. largest, largest insurer of classic we broker cars. That. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I had a chance to speak with Mikhail Haggerty, who's the founder and CEO of, of Haggerty Insurance. And um, he said to me, David, my product category sucks. Everybody hates it, right? Everyone hates to spend money on car insurance. And they, e- they hate even more if they have to use it because it means they crash their car. <laughs> he, said, he said, I needed to figure out how I could market my business in a different way. And he hit on this idea that he just has to be a part of the tribe. He just has to be a part of the classic car collectors. And so um, now, his it's not just him, of course, his people, they go to over 100 classic car events a year. They have a fabulous, you've probably seen it, a fabulous YouTube channel with over, over a million subscribers. Um, the Haggerty Drivers Club, here is my, my card right here. The Haggerty's Drivers Club, has 600,000 members. And so Mikhail Haggerty figured out that he just, he just needed to be a part of the tribe. And that's true. I think of all of us, you know, if we can figure out, let's, let's say we're an insurance agent in a particular town, you become part of the tribes in your town or Mm -hmm. Haggerty does, does, does classic car insurance become part of the tribe of classic car collectors. They're the biggest 
um, insurance company for mm -hmm. classic cars in the world. Double-digit annual growth every year. Um, to grow by 200,000 customers this year. And McKeel told me it's all about building fans. Um, mm. And I think that's amazing. And I think any one of us can do it is build fans. Yeah, that's excellent advice, especially with all the tools that we have now. We have the tools to build our tribe. And you can be the tribe in your town. You can put together your tribe anywhere. Yes. Uh, but with the tools that we have, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no excuse that you can't do it if you want to. I think that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. So I've been researching this idea of fandom now for five years um, with my daughter, Reiko. She's 26 now. When she started, she was 20, 21. And so I said to her, you know, I said, geez, 75 Grateful Dead concerts. What's up with that? But it wasn't 75 <laughs> at that point. It was probably like, because I include the current, you know, like dead and company. And, and, and she's like, I know daddy. I'm like, so into Harry Potter. She's read every Harry Potter book multiple times. She's <laughs> cool. seen the movies multiple times. She's gone to Orlando to the wizarding world of Harry Potter theme park multiple times, even went to London to go to the studio tour. And she wow. wrote a 90,000 word alternative ending to the Harry Potter series where Draco Malfoy is a spy, a spy for the order of the Phoenix and put that on a fan fiction wow. site. And it's been downloaded thousands of times. Um, so wow. she says, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. You're a huge Grateful Dead fan. What's up with that? And we started researching <laughs> this idea of fandom and it's exactly what we just talked about. People become fans because they develop true human connections with other people. And those ideas ended up being a book called Fanocracy, turning fans into customers and customers into fans that, that, um, that is just out. And, uh, and, and we co-wrote this book, uh, you know, my 26-year-old my daughter and I co-wrote this book uh, because I wanted to understand is, I, I mean, I'm a middle-aged white guy and my daughter is a millennial woman mixed race um, who's a neuroscientist. And we had the same idea of fandom, even though we're completely different. Um, wow. And, and so there's a number of different ways that we all have an opportunity to build fans. And... Um, and it's 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 consistent over it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or in your 50s it doesn't matter if you love harry potter or you love grateful dead you can still build fans of any kind of business including insurance yep and you, yeah i know you being um uh, in so deeply involved with businesses and stuff i mean i know that you're you you probably see this all the time but i've I've noticed and have, and the, I guess the question is, have you noticed there being this huge move in businesses to, to do that, to, to actually create a tribe? I don't know if you've heard of ClickFunnels. Yes. You, yes. With Russell Brunson. Yep. I mean, what he's done with that company. He has would a just tribe a, of people who love that. Yes. And it's just crazy. I mean, he almost teaches others to do that. And we've had some of the people that have been in his inner circle on here mm -hmm. and they do, I mean, that's kind of like the, that that's kind of the framework is they yeah. build these tribes and it's right. just the, the amount of success. And another, another example that I'm, I'm very familiar with is Tony Robbins. Um, yes. So I don't know if you've ever, you know, listened to his stuff or, or gone to any of his events, uh, but he's built a massive tribe. And I speak at Tony Robbins Business Mastery events. I have two hours on a Tony Robbins stage every time he does Business Mastery. 
And it's, it's awesome because, um, because a little bit of his tribe rubs, rubs off on me because I'm part of that community now. And I've been doing that for five years. So I get on a stage in say Las Vegas or Palm beach, or I've done also uh, Sydney, Australia and in London, England. And, and I'll get on a stage. There'll be 2000 2,500 people in the room. And they are so pumped up because Tony Robbins, man, it's great. And then I do my thing and I'm not saying I'm like Tony Robbins, but I do my own thing. And then, then, my, then many of those people become fans of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I believe so strongly that all of us can do that. You know, I mean, maybe not at the level of, of, of building, um, uh, something around someone like Tony Robbins, but, but in our own way, in our own world, we can all build things that people become passionate about. And that's way better than just, you know, flogging a product. Yeah. And it's an excitement, right? It like creates this, you're, it's not work. No, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what Absolutely. it should all be about. It should be about having fun. If you're going to do business, you shouldn't slog your way to the office and, and hate yourself <laughs> yeah. because you're doing it. It should be centered around some kind of fun. And, and really, there's limitless possibilities about what you can connect to your own business. Right. right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, we we dug into the neuroscience of fandom. I mean, we, I, we really geeked out about it. My, my daughter um, <laughs> has a neuroscience degree from Columbia University. Uh, so she and then we interviewed PhDs in neuroscience. And we found out that for developing fans, one of the most important things is physical, re- physical relationships with people, literally being close to people physically. Um, and that's hardwired in our brains. Our ancient DNA kicks in. When somebody is close to us, that's a very powerful emotional connection. If we know those people, it's a positive emo- emotional connection. If we don't know them, it's a negative emotional connection. And so when we have the opportunity to get close to people who we like, such as at a Grateful Dead concert or at a a classic car event or whatever it might be, those are among the most powerful um, human connections we share in our whole lives, people we we share a tribe with. Uh, And if you get into a crowded elevator, those can be really negative because you don't know those people. Your brain is kicking in, fight or flight. I don't know these people. Danger, danger, danger. So... Um, there's actually four degrees of proximity. There's, there's further than 20 feet. There's within four to 20 feet, which is public spaces further than 20 feet. Social space is four to 20 feet. Lower than four to four uh, feet is, is personal space. The more you can get within like-minded people's personal space, the more powerful the human emotions are. What that means is literally if you can get close to people, take them to lunch, go to the cocktail parties where they are, meet them in their offices, create a kind client conference where you bring your people together. That becomes really, really powerful. And there's another neuroscience concept, which is so interesting. It's called mirror neurons. And you can virtually get close to people because what happens in your brain when you see someone do something, 
your brain fires as if you're doing it yourself, which I will now demonstrate. I have a lemon and a slice of lemon. If I take a bite of a lemon, it's immediately on my tongue. It's strong. It makes my eyes close. My mouth puckers up. My saliva's running. The lemon is just really powerful. And you may be tasting that lemon too now, just mm. through this concept of mirror neurons. That's why our that's why we get sad at sad movies. It's just a movie. Nothing's happening <laughs> to you. Right, right. Sad. That's why you think you know a movie star. You don't know them. You've never met them. You've seen them on a screen, yet you feel that they're your friend. So where we can use this in business, insurance, and real estate, whatever business we're in as entrepreneurs, what we can do is use this concept of mirror neurons to our benefit. Um, we can use photos and video on our website, on our social media, to create a tribe of people who feel they know us because of the use of video, because of the use of photos. It actually explains the humble selfie. And people think this a selfie is frivolous, but it's not. It's really powerful because it's taken um, within about four feet. My arm is four feet away from me when I take a selfie. And that image is among the most shared images on people's social media because you're looking directly at the camera. Because you're um, you're showing, there we go. Look at that. We're taking a selfie right now. <laughs> um, really, it's really, really, really powerful stuff. And so that's just a couple of concepts around neuroscience about how anybody listening in here can create a personal connection, which will develop into a tribe by developing physical proximity or virtual proximity to customers. So even doing that. Zoom meetings with yes. your clients or with a group of clients is going to yes. increase that effectiveness. Of Way time. more than a simple telephone call because our brain is triggering that we're actually next to each other right now. Even though we're thought we could be, I, we're, we're, I'm in Boston. Where are you? I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. We're I'm in California. Where? We're 3,000 3, miles away, uh -huh. but our brains are kicking in as if we're literally in the same room talking to another, one another within our personal space four feet away. Because uh -huh. that our, that's our brain, what our brain tells us through mirror neurons. It says, the ancient brain kicking in says, I'm right next to this person. And that's among the most powerful emotions that we human, humans have because we trust someone that's really powerful. And so you can use that in your business. And most people don't. You know, they, they either have no photographs or they're not active on social networks or they don't use tools like Zoom, but they're so powerful. You know, it, Craig and I both, um, we've kind of ramped up our, our meetings. We do uh, office meetings, separate offices, of course, but uh, twice a day. And wow. it's just, it doesn't... I, and I, like what to your point to what you're saying makes sense because even I don't even care what the meeting's about, but to bring everybody together, kind of take their mind off of insurance. They've been sitting behind a desk and to kind of come together and talk yeah. is, has been very therapeutic. It's brought the team together and I almost don't care of the topic that much. Right. And to your point, it doesn't, I, I mean, with that, it doesn't even really matter, does it? 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's, that's the same reason that I, I, what I say is passion is infectious, you know? Yes. And, and we talked about that earlier. Um, You have that conversation with someone, you may not love the same things they love, but you love the fact that they're passionate. (laughs) So you can have those, you can have those conversations and you have these really strong human connections and that builds a tribe for your business. You know, whether yeah. they're your, whether they're your employees or your customers or your potential customers. Love it. You know what? We, we, we kind of went backwards on this because we just, we had that connection from the beginning. Um, but we did, we like just... jumped right. We like dove into music first. <laughs> we did love it. I know we could have talked about that forever, yeah. but can you give a little bit of background where you're from sure. um, and, and all that stuff for, for anybody that doesn't know who you are? Yeah, I um I worked in the I worked in the corporate world for about 15 years. Um I was a vice president of marketing at various companies. I worked actually in Asia for 10 years. I was in Tokyo for 7 years, Hong Kong for 2. Oh, wow. Um and in 2002 I was fired by Thomson Reuters. And I what the hell am I going to do next? So I I went out on <laughs> I went out on my own and um very quickly started to create content. I started a blog in 2004, which was really early. Um, and started a YouTube channel really early. And, um, and so then I wrote a book called The New Rules of Marketing and PR that came out originally in 2007, um, and now is in the sixth edition. That's arguably the most popular marketing, uh, online marketing book in the world. It sold 400,000 copies in English, and it's in 29 other languages. And, um, and that came out originally in 2007. And recently, I've been thinking really strongly about what's next. And that's why I started to dig into fandom and what eventually became this book called Fanocracy, because I felt like the digital channel is being abused by so many people, right? It's, Mm. you know, people are doubling down with, um, it's, it's a polarized environment. They're sending yet another email message and yet another social message. And and you know you connect with someone on LinkedIn, they're always trying to sell you something, and <laughs> and, and it's it, the channel is being abused. Um, and so I think what's next is the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of that kind of superficial communications. What's next is a true human connection, and that's what we've been talking about for the last like twenty minutes. Is that true human connection? Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm um, I'm tight with Tony Robbins. I speak at all of his business mastery events. Um, and, uh, and I also serve on the advisory board of, of some companies. Um, and I've, uh, my, that part of my business is really fun. I act like a venture capital firm because I advise companies, <laughs> but I take equity instead of cash. So if they do well, I do well. And if they don't do well, I make no money at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, what a weird, like, I mean, how crappy did you feel when you got fired <laughs> and and looking back, how was, wasn't that like the best day of your life? Um, getting fired was the best career move that I ever met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because because I was a vice president of marketing of Thomson Reuters is a big job. People thought, you know, geez, that's exciting. You have a really nice name on your business card and all that. Um and when they let me go, I was lost. You know, what do I do next? And I and that was 2002. It was right after 9-11. And I thought, mm-hmm. I'm going to get another big marketing job. And there weren't any other big marketing jobs. So I was forced 
to figure out what to do. And that's when I started my own business. Um, and I'm a business of one person. I've never wanted to have any employees. I have a lot of people who help me virtually, but there's, uh, there's no employees. So I like to tell people I've been happily unemployed for 17 years now. <laughs> um, um, but it really, it, it, it was that the catalyst was, was, was losing my job, which, which as you say, uh, Jason was terrible in the beginning. Right. But eventually became the best thing that ever happened to me from a career perspective. That's crazy. And then wow. with that, with that paradigm shift, I mean, did that, did that aid you to really push the boundaries? I, I'm sure like, you know, working that, that job that everybody told you was just the pinnacle, right? Like that's as a, as a man in society, you had the job and right. Right. it sounds like this is, a hundred times more rewarding. Oh, it's you're at way now. better. It's way better. You know, making more money. I'm having more fun. I control my destiny. I only talk to cool people like you, and I don't talk to assholes. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great. Um, um, and and I think that that you know, I'm I'm old enough now. I'm in my fifties to kind of look back and think that we all have the opportunity to control our destiny. And we don't have to be tied to something that we don't love and we can change those things and, and, and figure out what are the things that we love and build a life and, and a work around it. Um, yep. and you know, in my case, I had to make some pretty drastic changes. I moved to Asia when I was 26 years old, that was kind of radical, but, um, you know, and then, and then, um, you know, I was fired and I had to figure out how I was going to earn a living. And I decided to write a book. Let's see what happens there. You know, do, do some weird things. And some things didn't work, but the ones that worked, worked well. And, and I think that we all have that opportunity to, yep. um, to really take stock of, of, of what it is we want to accomplish. And, you know, I, not to get all philosophical on you, but I've been giving a lot of thought now to, this three stages of my life. The first stage was the first third of my life was, was the learning phase. And, you know, I was in school, I was learning and I was started a new, you know, started in the work world. I had to learn about the world, world of work and figure all that out. Then I was in the, what I call the accumulation phase of my life. The middle third of my life was um, accumulating a family, communicating financial assets, communi uh, uh, accumulating um, a career, you know, all those things that I was accumulating. And I look, I just feel like I'm just embarking now on the final phase of my life, the final third of my life. And I look at that as my giving back phase. And so I love the idea that I can give back in many ways. I, I teach for free at colleges here and there. I um, I donate money to um, actually uh, I'm a part owner in a, in a rainforest in Panama that we're preserving. Um, uh, I'm giving back to in, in, in many other ways to help entrepreneurs like we're doing now talking about this, helping entrepreneurs to be more successful. Um, and I find that, um, you know, on, on number one, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the last sort of my life. But on the other hand, it's 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 empowering to be able to have the opportunity to help people and to give back. That's awesome. Oh, that's that's great. Quite a journey. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, David, I mean, I, I, mentors are so so valuable, 
right? Finding people and connecting with them and, and getting help and, and learning from them. Who have been some significant mentors? I mean, being close to Tony, I'm sure has been. Tony, yeah, Tony's pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, he's been great. Um, I, I'm really, I really enjoy a guy called Seth Godin. I don't know if you know Seth. Um, he's a marketer, a writer, a blogger, and I've been reading his blog every single day now for um, probably 20 years. Wow. <laughs> I now listen to his, he, he started a podcast about a year ago. I've listened to every episode of the podcast. I've read every book he's ever written. I mean, it, I just, I just love what he does. Um, I think it's fabulous. Um, you know, in the music world, there's a few people that I wouldn't necessarily use the word mentor, but I love what they've done with their careers. Um, um, three that come to mind, um, they're wildly different. Um, David Byrne. Um, mm. I, I was a massive Talking Heads fan when I yeah. was in college. Mm -hmm. Saw them a couple of times when I was in college. Um, uh, and then, um, and then I've just seen what David Byrne has done with his career. He never looks back. He's always going forward. And he now is on. He's now doing a Broadway show called American Utopia. And, um, it's a fabulous show. I loved it so much. I went back two more times. I went three wow. times. Um, and I, he's, I've never met the man, so I don't consider him a mentor from the perspective of him guiding me personally, but I just love what he does. And, um, an, another person <laughs> you may laugh, uh, is Miley Cyrus. And here's the reason because she is her own woman. And mm. um, she, you know, doesn't take BS from anyone. It's, you know, she, yes, she, yes, she was a Disney star, but um, the, she figured out how to live her own life on her own terms. And um, furthermore, she's a fabulous singer. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I go to a lot of shows. Not only have I seen <laughs> 75 Grateful Dead shows, I've, I have a spreadsheet. I've been to 790 live concerts Ooh. in my life. Um, wow yeah that is so awesome i'm a, i'm kind of a geek about it and, and <laughs> that's such a, so cool i'm such a geek that i have it on an excel spreadsheet but <laughs> well, um, well what is the how many is that a year would you say like what's the do you do one a month one uh, every two weeks these days it's about it probably averages two a month these days two a month um, that's so but cool. you know there was a time that it was more um when i was in high school i was going to new york city on a on more than that <laughs> you know, as we'd That's go to high so school, cool. high school uh, kids, we'd get on a train, go to New York City uh, at 15 years old, go to a bar, drink, and then go to, you know, the Madison Square yep. Garden or the Palladium or the, or the Ritz or something. But anyway, Miley Cyrus announced <laughs> announced a really, really, really small club club tour. I think there was like five or six venues backed by the flaming lips M miley cyrus backed by the flaming lips wow. and they played wow. the house of they played the house of blues in boston it's 2000 about 2000 people fit in the house of blues boston i'm like damn that sounds freaking awesome and so i i contacted all my buddies right you know they're all my age they're in their like 40s or 50s i contacted my buddies to go Miley Cyrus backed by the flaming lips. And they all, they all laughed at me They're like, you're insane. Yeah. And it, was a, it was a, it was a fabulous show. And I, every time I see them, I, I like, you guys missed it. It's Miley Cyrus. Right. I totally missed it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So Miley Cyrus isn't my mentor, but gosh, you know, and she's, she's half my age, but I look up to her because of what she's been able to accomplish. Um, um, 
just becoming her own person mm-hmm. in a world where people were trying to force her into a into a into a sort of mold, you know? Yeah. Yep. And she took a lot of heat and she, she has. Said, no, I don't care. Uh-huh. I don't care. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't care. I'm a pothead and, I'll, and I'm proud of it. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have a relationship with a woman and I don't care what you think. And um, if I want to go on tour with the Flaming Lips, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to sing my that's Disney great. songs. And I think yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> I, right. I went to um, talk about a crazy concert. I went to one of the, the concerts. I found out online all of a sudden that uh, Britney Spears, it was back it, when she shaved her head. Nice. She was playing at the House of Blues under a different name, like this really? crazy name. And I just, I, I like saw it on the internet. And I was like, oh my gosh, these, like the words are going to get out, obviously. Did you, so did you know it was Britney Spears or how did you? Yes. I don't know where I read it. Like I just, oh, you know, okay. reading blogs and stuff. And then yeah. I read it somewhere and I saw the name and I looked at the tickets and it just went on sale and it was under yeah. this weird name. And yeah. I was like, dude, I'm buying these. So I bought yeah. them for like 15 bucks a piece. I could have hawked them for a lot. And I was like, yeah. no, I got to go see this. Like, was it good? It was it was an experience. I mean, um, her fans are just rabid. Yes, indifferent, especially at that time. And um, they had all the, you know, the the news vans out there and everything. And it was such an experience. And I'm so glad I went. To yeah. your point, it's like that was one of those things that I look back on. I was like, that was yeah. really cool. I I rarely regret a show. Um, right, right. And, uh, you know, sometimes just like, ah, it wasn't really very good and it's cold out and it's raining or whatever. And none, <laughs> of my, none of my friends wanted to go, so I'm by myself, you know. It's like yep. some of that. But but there's so many times that it's just like transcendent, you know. It's like, oh, my God. Like there's – I'm in the center of the universe right now. <laughs> this yeah. This is like the coolest thing in the world that's happening to me right now. That, and that's what music I've had does. that so many different times. I've had that. Hundreds of times. Um, yeah, there's nothing like it. And, and furthermore, you're with your best friends in the world, and like you can't help but spontaneously give everyone a hug. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what happens to me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That music comes on the concert, and all of a sudden, like you can't even remember all your problems no, or what happened exactly at work right. today, yeah, or exactly or the right. fact that it was raining out and no one wanted to come, and oh, uh-huh. I was tired. You get there once it starts, all good, all good. All good. I'm no longer tired. I have like yep. I have the energy. I this thing can go till <laughs> three in the morning, and I'm there. Yeah, I love that. Cool, man. So there's a few, there's a few like, uh, rapid fire questions. We love to love to ask people, um, you know, uh, so, so right now, first off, before we even go to that, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So I mentioned this new book, Fanocracy. I've got a site at fanocracy.com. Got a bunch of free content on there about how you can grow a fanocracy for your business. Uh, and that book's out. Uh, my daughter and I read the audiobook version. So it's print. It's oh, e-book, cool. It's audiobook. Yeah. It's, oh, that's it's so really, cool. It was really fun. As, and by, by the way, I, I don't know if you have kids, but doing a book with your daughter is, you, <laughs> you look like you're too young to have do, uh, children who are the age that you could write a book with them. But uh, but it was a fabulous, fabulous experience. That's um, super cool. on, on the social networks, I'm DM Scott on Twitter and whatnot. So that's a great way to connect. Um, and um, uh, yeah, those those are the best ways. Or um, if you see me at a show, say hello. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Especially if it's a Grateful Dead show. 
Go, I Craig. Say, you know, we've we've taken an hour, and and, and I, I really know. really appreciate all that you've brought to this, David. I, I know that um, we certainly are going to maybe uh, lose a couple of people on the on the music stuff, but I I it's all worth it for um, just being able to converse with you and just talk through all of this. It's, Thank uh, you. Pull it away right now. Yeah, I appreciate. And I hope it. I people it. look deeper into that because it's it's funny that we're talking about some hot high level business stuff and and relating it to grateful dead and it's just shows mm-hmm. the whole theme of this has been kind of outside the box and i mean some of the stuff that like I, you and your career has been incredible and it's it was it really started after you got outside the box yeah no it did it it's did so cool exactly right and i wouldn't have gotten outside the box if i didn't have the passions that i did and dig into the geekdom around the grateful <laughs> dead the grateful dead and other things it wasn't just the yeah grateful dead. it was a lot yeah. of other music i was really i was really 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 into punk rock i told you i saw the ramones but saw the clash and, and a bunch of other oh. really cool classic punk rock bands so awesome. sex pistols um and and, and, wow. and so if i hadn't done those things i wouldn't be where i am now i'd probably still be in a corporate job but you know figuring out my own path meant that i've got um i've been ma- i've managed to make a good living and have a hell of a fun time doing it and i think anybody can do that it's not mm-hmm. i'm not an outlier i think i'm a i may be a, a model for how other people can do it but you know, do what you love and yeah. figure out how to make money by doing what you love. And it's just awesome. Love it. And everybody get finocracy. I mean, the, the whole concept of it is, is really the, what will take any business uh, to the next 20 years. Or yeah, 20 it years. is. It's, I'm really excited about this new book and I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Thank you, Thank you David. We appreciate my, you. My pleasure. Take care. Okay. All right. Have a good one. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.